podcast name Play Nobody Sunday Hurry Up Edition with your brand new mid-major riddled on-brand PAPN <laughs> S&P Plus rankings. Um, the whole world ended, Bill. It was pretty fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of the best of all both worlds for me because we got chaos and my numbers had a good week. Um, you know, that doesn't usually always happen that way. So I was happy. It, it was chaos within the realm of, of realistic um, before we jump into all that, he's the robot Bill Connolly. He invented the S&P Plus analytics system. He's a proprietor of SB Nation's football study hall. He's the author of the forthcoming book, 50 Best College Football Teams of All Time. My name is Stephen Godfrey, and I had the best viewing experience possible on Saturday because I needed this. I think a lot of people needed this, Bill. Um, this was the Saturday that kind of makes the season work every year, and for a lot of non-football viewing reasons, I was just kind of burnt out, you know? Uh, on the labor side of the college football media, it just it 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 was starting to feel a little redundant, and this yeah. was this was the kind of um, completely. I mean, I, I don't want to rank the upsets, and we'll get into all that in a second. But um, I, it wasn't even a, the particular uh, upset. I think the one I'm, I'm probably still most shocked by is actually Iowa, Michigan. But it was just the combination of everything happening, and it was a nice reinforcement that we know nothing. It's going to be super fun to watch what the hell the committee tries to do on Tuesday and then how they justify it. Um, I just feel reengaged. I feel refreshed. I don't know. I feel like we had suppressed so much volatility in, in, in the good teams, in the great teams this season. Um, maybe it's an Alabama-induced malaise, but um, no more. <laughs> we blew everything up. Well, and what's funny is we blew everything up, but the rankings aren't going to really look any – that different tomorrow. We, well, that, uh, we blew Tuesday. so yeah, we blew so much stuff up on Saturday that we don't really have a single scapegoat, and so everyone has to retain a, like a, a little bit of credibility. That's the that's how that's how much stuff got blowed up. Um, all right, let's not and, drag it out. Okay, you ready? So yeah, and what, how should we do this? I want to talk about a team that is not ranked. So should we do this first? Let's go ahead and do it. I think you you want to talk about okay. Washington State, I assume. Correct. Yeah, that would. I um, uh, by the way, I only I had only had two drinks when I said that I'm going to put them in my playoff four. I guess I still have to do that. Um, but it wasn't an inebriated statement. They're just that much fun to watch. They're eight and two. They are sitting right now at forty third, which is actually up a point from last week <laughs> from forty fourth. Yeah. Um, what exactly did you want to hit on? Just the justification <laughs> right now? Yeah, I mean, basically, and I don't even know if you want to call it justification. I just want to look into it because I find it interesting. Um, you know, Washington State fans uh, have a reason to be mad, probably, uh, because their team looks really good. Has has looked really good now for a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because uh, it's it's one of the strange outliers. We're about to talk about a ton of mid majors, yeah, uh, and then a, a seven and two or eight and two team in the Pac twelve uh, isn't even in the top forty. So, what I think is going on with Washington State, it's a, a couple things. First. They lost to Eastern Washington. If they hadn't lost to Eastern Washington, I checked, they'd be, I think, 31st right now. Yeah. So that, that one game cost them like 12 or 13 spots. Um, so that's easy enough to explain. I, I you know, I, I've been tinkering with, with a way to weight uh, more recent games uh, a little bit more. Uh, I have not found a way that actually makes the projections any better than using the whole year, so I haven't done it. But right. regardless, it's holding them back here, and it's made S&P relatively wrong about them for a couple of weeks. The other part of this, uh, I think, is that they haven't actually been all – S&P hasn't all, actually all been all that wrong about Washington State. Like, you go back through the games they've won – 
Um, they beat Oregon and Stanford certainly by more uh, than projected, but they also got a ton of credit for that. The reason they're still at 43rd besides the Eastern Washington game is they look like, mo- look like I'd say, about two-thirds crap against UCLA, Arizona State, and Oregon State. Beating UCLA at home 27-21 is not very impressive this year. Colorado didn't really get any credit for it either. Uh, beating Arizona State by five is not very impressive this year. Beating Oregon State by four is not very impressive this year. So I think basically... You know, they got a, they hit 90th percentile for the Arizona game. And, and you know, they, I think they hit something similar this week. But their their range is enormous this year. And I think that's where that's why they're getting held back. And it's not just Eastern Washington because three of those four games that I said were kind of crappy were in within the last month. So right. uh, guess what? They're, they're kind of in a weird spot right now. Guess what? All their fans still hate you right now. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, no, they're volatile. They're awesome to watch. Um, if the numbers don't understand them yet, that's okay. At least there's some intrigue left with the numbers because there's plenty of intrigue left with the football. Let's jump <laughs> off real fast. Uh, 25, we got a mid-major. We got a mid-major. One of many. We got a mid-major that's 7-3 named Appalachian State. We got a mid-major breaking into the top 25, and they lost this week to Troy uh, 28-24. Yeah, because uh, uh, look who's number 22. Uh oh! Spoiler alert. Um, Troy. So yeah. I guess we'll talk about them in a minute. I, yeah. I guess that's the way this thing works. Hey, speaking um, of mid majors who just got game day, number twenty four is the second undefeated uh, yeah. team in the nation, uh, Western Michigan. Yeah, they they fell this week because I mean honestly they just it was they were down fourteen thirteen and a half and Kent State lost to North Carolina A and T. Um, they really they weren't very impressive this week. They pulled it together um, and that was enough. But they got kind of they, they eked by and nobody noticed because it was election night. But um, power to them for being undefeated. They've been awesome this year. But after after last week, they, they look slightly less awesome to the numbers. Uh, highly deserving, no doubt. Number 23 TCU. Um, they let's see, what are they? They're actually up a point from last week from 24th. They were on a bye this week. And that brings us back to Troy at 22. Um Troy is good. Neil Brown is good. Troy is the best team in the Sun Belt, at least the most consistent. Um, at 8-1, and one, they're not going to challenge for anything in terms of G5 representation, but uh, this is a really nice season they've put together, and they're going to probably be even better next season. Yeah, and it's a shame because you know they've played two, basically two top 50 teams. They beat Appalachian State, and they damn near beat Clemson. Um, to, if, if they weren't Sun Belt... If they were in Conference USA right now, um, and Conference USA is barely better than the Sun Belt, but I think it's perceived as better. If they were in Conference USA right now, A, they'd probably still be 8-1 and one, uh, or 9-1 and one or whatever. Um, and B, they might actually have a shot. Obviously, you need Western Michigan to lose. Everybody's behind Western Michigan in line this year. But if Western Michigan were to lose to Toledo, say... Uh, Troy would have a very good case. They've had two of the best performances uh, of the mid-major year. Number 21 and number 20 played each other, which is very convenient for our countdown show. Yeah. Um, seven and three, Texas A&M can, uh, oh, look, narrative alert. Hey, look, Kevin Sumlin. People are complaining about him again. It's like it's August. Um, they <laughs> lost to the best five-loss team in the country, the Ole Miss That's Rebels right. at five and five. Um, so uh, mm, let's. I, I could Mad Libs the, the gamer on this, but um, it, a game of two halves, um, dynamic debut um i'm trying to work on shea patterson as being gingerbread johnny manziel until i can find out something that's a little more succinct <laughs> um but basically old miss toward the fr- toward the uh, red shirt off of a freshman quarterback who was one of the most highly touted recruits last year uh he came in and after a lot of stuttering and sort of kind of screwing around 
he Johnny Manziel at A&M. Yeah. And now A&M has lost two straight. They've lost two to the Mississippi schools, which even for a team that wasn't in the SEC West for decades, there's always a weird stigma <laughs> for <to> losing <laughs> to the Mississippi schools. Um, so there's a huge amount of frustration and angst back in College Station. I don't think it's going to affect someone whatsoever, although that uh, Thanksgiving game with the LSU shapes up to be um, a lot tougher on someone than I thought. And then Ole Miss now positions itself to go to a bowl with a dynamic quarterback and this is probably, if they can survive the NCAA stuff, how they're going to do it. Um, I, I went back and forth like eight times this week about uh, whether they should be playing Patterson or not. And I think at the end of the day, I, I, I just decided that, you know, honestly, maybe he should have been playing all along in a backup role because I, I highly doubt anybody involved with the football program expects him to stay more than three years anyway. Uh, you know, well, but, you know, Bud Elliott pointed out something good this way. He, he's six feet. He's not as he's not as tall as he's listed, which is six one plus or six two. Um, it's not impossible for Ole Miss to hang on to him. Um, I do think that if he plays at that level, considering we have a one game metric to look at, yeah, he's probably going to go to the NFL draft in twenty. What would that be? Six was it eighteen nineteen? Um, after the eighteen season, right, right, right. Yeah, um, but yeah, but uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, they kind of they had to kind of know. You never, I guess, you never completely know until you see him in a real game. Right. But they kind of had to know what they had. Well, also, um, I mean, th- th- this was a move designed specifically to save the Hugh Freeze administration at Old Miss, and I don't mean that he was so much in danger of being fired for anything. He wasn't. It's just that the NCAA is bearing down. Your recruiting classes evaporated underneath you, and that's that's a huge loss of equity when you're an SEC West team that isn't a traditional power. So. He did this. He did this for a lot of off-field reasons. It just paid off on the field, right? Well, and, and I mean that, that all makes sense. I, I what I'm saying is like the the trade-off to playing somebody this late in the year. You lose a year and blah blah blah. That doesn't really matter all that much in this case because a you might lose him anyway, um, and then yeah, b the payoff maybe for getting to a bowl and not having to maybe miss a bowl a couple straight years or however that ends up playing out. Uh, that that seemed to be a fair trade on their part. Uh, number nineteen the Miami Hurricanes of Florida. Um, I didn't really watch much of this game. They took care of uh, Virginia. They're 6-4 and four now, so we have basically uh, one of the biggest potential swings, I think, in the remaining season for a team, and that they're at NC State, and they have Duke at home. If they yeah. win those games, they can, they can hold serve and carry through. If they were to lose even one of them, I think 7-5 and five suddenly brings a lot of doubt in to, to Mark Rick. Not fairly or unfairly. I'm just sort of... That's just sort of the way it is. Um, with a lot of other programs surging, although obviously it wasn't a great day for the, uh, for the Atlantic Coast Conference, but um, Miami needs some equity going into the offseason. They need some attention, and so they really, really need to win out. I mean, I can probably go with that. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, my, my reflex is to kind of push back on any sort of equity thing in the first year, but I understand what you're saying. Um, and, but, and it's got to be weird because NC State is crazy. you Week to week, there's uh, there's no consistency as to what you're going to get from NC State this year. It's been fascinating. And then Duke, meanwhile, is, has kind of righted the ship, and they've been playing really well, and they finally got kind of a marquee win of sorts last week. Um, so, yeah, all these games are winnable, all, or both, I should say, of these games are winnable. Both are losable. Uh, and I can, But I can still, I think we mentioned this before, what is it? Uh, eleven points. They are eleven in points from having one away from having one loss this year. They got thumped by Virginia Tech, but they lost to Florida State by one, North Carolina by seven, and North uh, Notre Dame by three. Um, yeah, they're really close to being a heck of a lot better in the win column. So I kind of get where they are. 
Number 18, San Diego State. Not much to talk about here. They, uh, they flogged Nevada, but Donnell Pumphrey is now fourth all-time. Is that right? On the rushing list. So, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, not much to take other than that. Um, they're, 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 just, they're killing people. It's, they're they're it's destroying a really, It's a really fun game on offense to watch if you get a chance. They just, um, as, as much as we complain about bad weeknight games and bad weeknight game selection, um, San Diego State probably could have benefited from a weeknight slot this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, their last four games... Their last four games, 42-3, to 40-13, 55-0, and 46-16. These aren't great teams. They're killing, but they're killing them. They're not, there's no, it, this is hopeless, basically. I think the Mountain West may be the, the conference that, that really lacks any kind of exposure point. I mean, Boise goes out of its way to do certain things, but that's not really caught into the, to the Mountain West deal. And don't get me started on those CBS games again. I mean, they just... Mountain have, West, Mountain, by the way... Um, Mountain Best, as I don't know if you saw the piece that I linked to last week from John Solomon. He uh, asked me for some data. I sent it to him, and it po- and it said that uh, the Mountain West Mountain is better than the SEC East. Hey, first off, why are you stepping out on me with other reporters? Because he asked. You didn't ask me for data. <sighs> we'll talk about that off air. Uh, hey, guess what? Uh, Florida avenged something. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Sure. Yeah, we, yeah, can, we can call it that. I mean, if you're still mad at Will Muschamp, then God, you're an even more annoying Florida fan than the 18 that we work with at SB Nation. Um, they beat South Carolina like 20 to seven. I don't know something incredibly yep. Muschampian and very forget forgettable. Um, they're in at number 17. Uh, they're there and they're gonna play LSU next week, and um, it's gonna be a big, dumb, nasty, fun football game. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. I'm really, I'm I'm really curious. I mean, Florida's going to have to produce a little bit of offense, even if their defense does really well again. Um, and I'm not sure they can do that against LSU. But um, no, they 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 justify the rankings. They fell a little bit, and and you know, as I said last week, we can kind of predict a fall like we did last year. But really, they've overachieved their projecting projection. I think three out of the last four weeks. Last week was a disaster, but before but otherwise. They've kind of lived up to a top 20 reputation, even if they're terrible to watch. Year the mid-major continues. Eight and three Western Kentucky comes in at number 16. They beat the crap out of North Texas, 45 to seven. Mike White had four touchdowns. They're really good on offense. I, again, it's some of these guys are streaking to a point where I don't have much to say about them week to week, other than that. Yeah. I hope people get to watch them. So yeah, yeah, they uh, they really missed an opportunity losing to Vanderbilt early in the year. That was um, obviously that wasn't their only loss. But, I mean, that was their chance to beat a major conference team. Obviously, I mean, they looked respectable against Alabama by all means, and, and losing at Louisiana Tech by three is no shame. But um, that was their chance to at least score some sort of marquee something or other because otherwise they've been awesome over the last month, month and a half. Uh, I watched absolutely none of the Boise State-Hawaii game. Uh, the Broncos are at number 15. King of the mid-majors, 9-1. and one. Um, If I... I think if I had to have a pick right now, I might lean Western Michigan for that for that G five spot. Where are you sitting around that right now? By the way, the only yeah. the only thing to take from that game was that uh, Hawaii's head coach had the benches removed because he was so angry. Yeah, they Hawaii's collapsed the last couple of weeks. They were actually for the first half of the season with all that stupid travel they had going on. They were they were remaining a rather competitive team. Yeah, but they've hit the wall. They're dead, and uh, they've gotten killed a few times now. And and Boise State took advantage of that. I, I flipped over a couple times just out of curiosity, and it was like you know big Boise run, and then I would just groan and change the channel. But um, they're good. They're good. I still, I mean, I still at Western Michigan. I do for all my talk about computer rankings and how you know it doesn't look at wins and losses. That's not how you judge quality. Blah blah blah. Winning all your games still means something. And Western mm-hmm. Michigan, if they finish undefeated, that means that at the very least they'll have beaten Toledo. Um, 
and plus a couple of you know Big Ten teams early in the year. That's that's enough for me. I, Western Michigan's in the front of the line until they lose. Hey, I just wanted to point out real fast. This is something I actually just noticed because I was checking the standings. America's team in at number fourteen. They play Wazoo next week. Uh, yes, by the they way, do. Colorado's eight and two. They beat the crap out of Arizona. Uh, pretty much the same thing I've said about every other team. I can't find anything to say about specifically in a blowout. Um, they're good. They're fun. I hope you watch them. And they're gonna play Wazoo next week. Yeah, yeah, that one's big. Um, I mean, among other things, it might affect my travel plans for uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But um, no, they. I mean, Arizona was, was kind of hanging early and, and figuring out a couple things that worked, and it just stopped working about what twenty twenty five minutes into the game, and yeah. Colorado just took it from there. So uh, that's what good teams do. They they take a good shot from you, and then they say, okay, well, we're going to beat you this way now, and they do it. So. Uh, yeah, part of Colorado. They fell a couple spaces because you have to destroy Arizona to get any credit now uh, because Arizona's been so bad. But, yeah, they're right there at 14th still. Oklahoma's number 13. They beat the team that we don't have to talk about anymore, so we won't even talk about them. But, um, hey, <laughs> not, maybe maybe not the playoff, but they're, they're kind of they're floating around here as more and more chaos mounts. There's Oklahoma. This is going to be a really interesting year to see how the committee treats really good one-loss non-conference champions versus two lost conference champions yep because uh, we could have what i mean now because of the big and we'll talk about this in a minute but we could have a tr- tremendous 11 and 1 ohio state team that doesn't even play in the big 12 big 10 title game mm-hmm. and a tremendous louisville team that doesn't play in the acc title game uh, and then suddenly you're looking at you know a two loss wisconsin or a two loss oklahoma i get annoyed talking about this because o- ohio state and louisville are demonstrably better uh than at least oklahoma if there's oklahoma's good if, and they have a very good chance of finishing 10 and 2 if now. there's any team that has the innate ability to sneak into a a national championship scenario in the last <laughs> 20 years it's this program uh number 12 8 and 2 penn state um uh you know the indiana was was comprehensive early and um Penn State is still really they may flirt with some deficiencies from time to time but they have not laid the egg that everyone expects them to and uh-uh. uh trucking down the home stretch now 8 and 2 right. almost I mean, certainly feels like they're going to be 10 and 2 Yeah they were smoking hot on offense they scored immediately in this game and then they kind of hit not a dry spell necessarily but they slowed way down you know, you're on the road against a competitive Indiana team. You're down heading into the fourth quarter, and then they just dominate the fourth quarter. That I mean, that, again, like what I was just saying, this is what really good teams do. And Penn State is just it because of our preconceptions. It feels weird or whatever, but Penn State's a really good football team. And now because of Michigan's loss and the weird t- and the tiebreakers and everything, they could be freaking Big Ten champions if Ohio State to beats out Michigan. What this next team, Florida State, at seven and three. They come in at number eleven. Um, they routed Boston College on Friday night. I didn't watch a stitch of it, but trying to figure out where yep. they reared to, paired to uh, the team we'll talk about in a second, USC, and then the team that we just talked about, Penn State. Um, I'm trying to figure out what Florida State is down the stretch. I don't know if they're going to lose again. So, um, you know, a, a nine think, and three season in Tallahassee. I, I think they're a team that can't really. Yeah, I think they're a team that has a shaky offensive line, can't really protect their quarterback all this well. They're kind of lucky yeah. he's still upright. Um, but they have their team that has a good quarterback and a really good running back and a defense that has uh, kind of come full circle over the last month since the North Carolina game. I mean, giving up 19 to Miami, six to Wake Forest, 37 to Clemson, but at least it's Clemson, uh, 20 to NC State, and and you know, big fat nothing to Boston College. You know, that's that might not be best defense in the country stuff, but they're they've clearly uh, turned things around offensively. And so, yeah, down the stretch, they're a very good football team. They'll probably finish. 
ten and three and win a decent bowl and and head into next year with most um, of their pieces. I lied. We'll actually talk about USC in just a second. They come in at number ten. Number nine Auburn uh, kind of mirrors the day that Texas A and M had and goes back to what we thought. Um, and not so much not so much in an analytical statistic yeah. manner, but what we kind of heard around the grapevine in the offseason, those two those two teams were the coaches in the West that had the the most heat under the seat. Um, they both kind of had bad days the same way yesterday. Um, Auburn looked abysmal on offense. Um, I do find it interesting that people, yeah. it, the assumption going into that game was that Georgia wouldn't have the personnel on offense, and they really didn't. They just, I mean, they, they, they used a pick six. No, they didn't game, at all, essentially. yeah. Uh, but this is Kirby Smart, and Kirby Smart has a hell of a lot of um, experience with playing against Malzahn's system, especially this isn't peak Malzahn. This is not Malzahn with optimal offensive personnel. And this was, it, it just, yeah, to tie those two together, Auburn and A&M had surged out of the problem for so long and then just came crashing back down at the same time on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, this was a jarring result. I mean, Georgia's pass defense hasn't been terrible by any means. Rashad White was 6 for 20. He's uh, hurt. I mean, he is they, hurt. They, they, they could the not personnel, do... The depth situation for 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 Auburn is, is not great. I'll give him... 6 for 20, though. I know. That, I mean, well, I don't... I mean, I just... For... I think he's playing... He's playing right. somewhere below, you know, sixty percent. But I mean, not only six for twenty, but those six completions gained twenty-seven yards. Like, I mean, if 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 a if you if that's if he's hurt and 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 that was mostly because he's injured, and you trust your quarterbacks, your other quarterbacks that little, that's pretty shocking in and of itself. Although the Vanderbilt game kind of gave you reason to not necessarily trust uh, your other quarterbacks, I guess. But no, this was a, a a jarring result just in terms of how bad that offense was. Even if White isn't a hundred percent, I mean, they also couldn't run the ball. Uh, they couldn't do anything. And and uh, pow, you know, power to Georgia. Georgia's now put together two positive results in a row. Um, yeah, no, that that one was surprising. Um, number eight, Wisconsin is about to have a, another just absolutely definitive Wisconsin season, and that they're eight and two. <laughs> um, they destroyed a bad Illinois, a really really bad, like functionless Illinois team, and. They are going to be the um, the warm body that walks into Indianapolis against the East winner in the Big Ten Championship, and then they are going to go to one of those like friendly hangover on New Year's Day bowls. Although the games are on the second this year, but you get my point. Um, and yeah, they're yeah. going to have a great year, and they are going to be really forgotten when you even think of the fifteen best teams in college football. And I don't mean I don't mean that as a slight or a pro on Wisconsin. It's just this is the most. Wow, this this may be the definitive type of Badger year. Um, not, there's not anything so, good about that. There's not anything bad about yeah. that. It just is. So a friend of mine, uh, a guy named Justin Moore, he, he on Twitter, he's at TF Gridiron, Tempo Free Gridiron. He has his own uh, ratings and everything. We've talked for a long time. He kind of came up with a little simulation where he just kind of he defined criteria in a specific way uh, in terms of what the committee would look at or judge higher. So basically he ran a huge simulation and, and in order, he said, you know, undefeated power five team gets first, first dibs, obviously one loss, power five conference champ, two loss, power five conference champ. So those are the top three, then zero loss uh, group of five, then one loss power five conference runner up. Uh, now you can kind of quibble with that and, and maybe he's not giving it, maybe the one loss power five non-champions should be higher, but whatever it, we using those criteria, he simulated the season uh, out uh, to sit, figure out who would be most likely to make the playoff using that number one uh, playoff odds. Obviously Alabama has like a 92% chance of making the, the playoff with those criteria. Number two is Clemson, um, which is fine. Number three, Wisconsin. Hmm. 
Basically, if they went out and win the Big Ten title, they'll be a two-win, a two-loss conference champion with wins over LSU and either Michigan or Penn State or, or Ohio State, whoever. Um, and you know, respectable losses. I mean, I can kind of see it. I, I still, I would like to think that Louis, like that, a one-loss awesome team like Louisville would have better odds, and maybe they do. This is kind of he laid out his criteria, and 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 you can disagree with it if you want. But under those criteria, Wisconsin has a very good shot of making the playoff if they went out. Yeah, I just don't feel it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I based, yeah, yeah. But we'll just see. based on the based on the behavior of the committee so far, I just don't see that yet. And also. Um, we're going to talk about Iowa in a second, briefly, really just kind of as it pertains to Michigan, but um, is it fair for us to sit and, and assume that this is a, a two-loss team going into Indianapolis? I mean, they still have to play Iowa. Well, well, I mean, yeah, this wasn't about assumptions necessarily. No, 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 the Wisconsin beat Iowa. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Minnesota. For Minnesota. Um, they have, and, yeah, and, they, I yeah. mean, Minnesota's not terrible, but getting them at home should be enough there. Um, it's just... <laughs> how this is this is a topic for another show, Bill. This is a topic for the regular yeah. show on Wednesday. But how does Iowa over? Or I'm sorry. How does Wisconsin overcome Wisconsin? It really has become a thing now because any other program outside of like ten, maybe even eight in the entire country would say if you handed them a baseline of of nine and three every year, they would be absolutely overjoyed. In 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 what is this year the best conference in the country? I yeah. think. Uh, and yet it's just always a step off. It's always just a shade past being forgotten. Um, one team that's definitely not forgotten that's only six and three is, ooh, how'd you like that transition? Yeah, that was you nice. like that transition? That was solid. Oh, wait, actually. Well, wait, well, we'll talk. No, no, no. You just murdered my transition. Yep, you, never mind, you blew it. Yep, I murdered it. Sorry. Okay, number seven is Washington. Guess what I know about the Pac-12? I know that the best team in the Pac-12 has three losses. Yeah. And didn't become, um, yeah, I mean, this is the, the classic, you know, it took a few weeks for things to click, but once it did, USC has been phenomenal, and this was... USC is the best team yeah. in the Yeah, and I know how hard yeah, that is for you to... For you to s- no, no, I, not, not a, I tell you what, though, all joking aside, not at all, because the way in which that they have arrived is, is it's not, you know, I, I, who am I? I'm not the merit police on they've earned it or not, but this is a team that has, that has, has gelled and done so quickly and quietly yep. after coming out with probably a little too much fanfare just because they played Alabama in a neutral site game. Um, yeah, Hilton is – I think Helton's okay. Yeah, and, uh, and um, I think Helton's okay. one of the reasons I was having trouble, like, keep tamping expectations down a little in the offseason is how good Clancy Pendergast has been as a defensive coordinator. I mean, they came out of the gates not good, very good at all. Um Although I guess they were really not terrible, they they weren't. The defense wasn't good against Alabama or Stanford, but basically since then it's been, you know, it's been good for a while. And I think over the last three four weeks it's been awesome. And that was the thing. I mean, they dominated Washington's up front. They got in Jake Browning's head like nobody else has in his career, pretty much. Uh, they they batted down his passes. They stepped in front of his passes. He was a just a, a blob at the end of the game. He could not do anything yeah. he thought he thought he could do at the beginning of the game, and and it was remarkable to see that. It, it, it really, really painful for Washington, and this was the first marquee game they played since. I mean, it's really hard to look back and give Oregon much credit that game. And then I know they had a Friday night game against Stanford, kind of the same thing. Um, Washington is still okay. Yeah. I disagreed with a couple of people last night who thought that Washington was out of it because USC could still win the South. They could, right. they could have a rematch. If Washington is able to come out 
And it wouldn't have, I don't know if Squeaker gets it, honestly. And again, there's so many variables, and it's going to be so hard. We'll, we'll probably end up talking about this for the next two weeks because of the amount of losses everyone sustained. But I don't think they're out of it in any way. They have a chance to avenge this loss against the, against the brand of the conference. So I don't think they're dead at all. No, I think it will. Um, it would help them dramatically to get to face US, USC instead of Colorado in the Pac-12 title yes. game, though. Colorado or Utah. Utah would hurt the worst probably because they've already beaten There's Utah. There's a lot of optics in play um, here. And, and whether... Right. If they can avenge their one loss... That would make them very attractive. And, and I mean, again, there's still, you know, the committee still values conference titles probably more than I would like. And um, just simply finishing 12-1 uh, and one with a win, with, you know, wins down the stretch here over Washington State and then Colorado or whoever, that maybe that's enough. But, I, yeah, I think it would give them a, a little extra boost to be able to play USC again and then beat USC. I really want to talk about it. Number six, um, they're six and three. Ed Ogeron did exactly what Les Miles couldn't for so many years, which is re-engage and reinforce the talent, the, the amount of play and execution that you get relative to the talent that you have on a roster. They did exactly what they should have done against Arkansas. Now they get to play a Florida team that they should be able to do yep. close to the same thing to on their terms. Um, this is what has ailed LSU for years is that post-Alabama things start to fall apart and you would lose to an Arkansas, you lose to an Ole Miss. They haven't done that. And so uh, it's there is zero margin for error, in my opinion, for Ogeron. Um, but, you know, Etling, Etling was serviceable. The running game was phenomenal. Yep. They did what they needed to, and they move on. Right. I mean, I you know, my numbers obviously don't love Arkansas, but they crushed Arkansas. They they destroyed Arkansas. And, and you're right, that's something – post-Alabama in previous years has been a disaster for LSU, especially last year, obviously. Uh, and it was Arkansas specifically that seemed to be able to do more to LSU than anybody else. Um, and they crushed them. That, that was a great result. I will say, I mean, they can run the ball that well on Florida, put them in the freaking playoff, because Florida doesn't really allow you to do that very much. Uh, Arkansas game aside. Yeah. Uh, go by fast. the way, 25 minutes is not going to cut it anymore. I'm going to have to start setting the timer for 30. Um, uh, number five, Clemson. They lost. Um, wow, Dabo. That was a really bad fourth down call. That's the that's kind of the only thing I wanted to say other than I was watching the end of this game preparing to talk to you later this week about how long can Clemson skate into these situations. Right. Well, the answer was that got them, basically. Yeah. You just can't. Um, I mean, yeah, this was the pure playing with fire thing. You can't let that many, this many teams hang around because, you know, 2014 Florida State got away with it, but barely. Um, this team's better than that team, but still, like that Troy, Auburn, Louisville, NC State, obviously, especially NC State. Um, they just they they struggled to put teams away entirely, and and you do that enough, and eventually it's going to bite you. I'm going to do the final four together because I want to start talking about it in context of what's going to happen on Tuesday. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Michigan. Obviously, they lost to Iowa. Number three, Ohio State. They Oh, welcome back to the top four. And then number four, Louisville, a team that obviously lost head-to-head at Clemson. These are the four teams I think that I would put in for my playoff four at this very moment. Mm-hmm. I would probably put Ohio State ahead of Michigan, um, but only for that, like, I don't even have a funny name for it, but that kind of when Ohio State has that lethal ceiling, when they hit that, that to me gives them the edge against Michigan. Well, and if you look um, at pure if, resume, if they are that, yeah, if they are that lethal team, I don't, I mean, we don't know when that team shows up. Well, but I mean, even keeping aside the thought of you know when they're be- when they're at their best or not, I think in terms of pure resume, Ohio State has it right now because they had the Oklahoma win. Um, and because technically their loss is better. Penn State is better than Iowa or has been on average this year, obviously. So, yeah, I would, I would have no problem putting Ohio State second. 
there was kind of a, a lazy radio stat this week about how no team had lost this late in the season and made the playoff. Um, <laughs> well, you, you only have two years of information. Right. Guess what? That's gone out the window. Michigan is still a playoff team. Clemson is still a playoff team. Um, I think yep. that Washington is potentially still a playoff team. As of this hot moment, though, I have no problem with those two Big Ten teams being in there, and obviously Alabama being number one. I don't know what I can say. They, they beat a Mississippi State team at 11 a.m., in such a manner that you thought it was a homecoming game against the FCS. And Mississippi State is not that bad. They, right. they beat Texas A&M. They have made a lot of strides running the ball on offense. Fitzgerald has gotten better, and it didn't matter at all. So they are, without argument, the number one team in the country. Yeah. However, um, I, I feel comfortable with these two teams in there right now. I have no problem I, with it. I, I kind of hate that Alabama is this good this year because otherwise we're looking at mass chaos right now. <laughs> I told um, I, I told someone on Twitter last night that asked me about it. I said I long to live. I think I was smart football. It's Chris Brown. I just said I long to live in the world just as just covering the sport, nothing for or against Alabama, where Alabama just doesn't exist right now. Right. Because to to try and find four teams that aren't Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Louisville, Clemson, Washington, Wisconsin, Penn State, you know, USC, USC. <laughs> like you got to talk about USC now, Oklahoma. Um, it would be one of the most interesting, you know, three, four-week runs in, in sports, I think, that we've, we've had in a long time. Um, and it's good we, that we, we have we, a... We could still break the playoff, even with Alabama at number one. I really do feel like a lot of the, the playoff could, could break itself this year. Well, and, I mean, yeah, this is where it's good to have a playoff instead of a BCS because at this point all but, like, two or three teams would be eliminated. Now you've, you can still talk yourself into three, four, five, six teams having a, a shot here. Um, so, you know, having a, a broader umbrella kind of helps, although at the same time, you know, the, the concern here uh, among a lot of people in getting a playoff to begin with is when one team was so dominant over another, you know, it's, it's good when the best team in the country wins your national title, or at least, you know, it feels right for college football, and now you're going to make them win two extra games. They could get upset by somebody who wasn't very good for part of the year, yada, yada, yada. There's you know, maybe it's a bad year to have a playoff because Alabama has been so good. We don't need any more teams. We just, you know, have them win one game and have it be over. But, um, no, it's, we still have a lot to talk about here and that's at least that part's fun. Uh, and this is where having 128 damn teams helps too, because there's still plenty of storylines that are fun. Even if talking about the best team in the country right now is just boring at this point. Uh, we'll talk about all this more on Wednesday. We'll have some fresh playoff and, uh, projections and I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction this year's uh, four or five gap is going to put uh, two years ago and the Big Twelve mess to shame. There's going to be a much, much deeper and stronger and dividing argument by the time this is all done. So um, that's awesome. Oh, did you just give me a? Give me a I forgot I was going to do that earlier. Oh, wow. Zencaster has funky options now. All right, let's get the hell out of here and talk Wednesday. Oh shit! I don't know how to turn it off. Oh come on, really? Okay.